we're in chapter 5, and uh, we're going to pick it up where we had left off. And um, I, I, I think um, the way we've been proceeding is probably good. We'd read, um, read a section and then talk about it. Uh, so why don't we um, read um, chapter 5, 17, teaching about the law. We've got like teaching about the law, teaching about anger, teaching about adultery, teaching about divorce, teaching about retaliation. It's, it's teaching about almsgiving, teaching about prayer, teaching about oaths. This is the heart of the teaching. So uh, we're going to cover a lot here now. So why don't um, somebody want to read teaching about the law? Um, yes, please, Heather, go ahead. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law <coughs> or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Good. Um, this, I think, is a good a good one to talk about. Um, some just clarification, uh, and then I'd love to hear what stands up for you. But um, when I've heard people say, you know, well, because Jesus said we're not supposed to do anything, you know, change any of the law at all, therefore, why do Christians eat in pork? You know, because that's part of the law. Um, I, I have an opinion on this. I'd love to hear anybody else that um, wants to say something about it, too. But um, there's at least three senses of the law that, that Jesus uh, uses over and over in the Gospels. And um, there's the Mosaic law in the sense of the Ten Commandments. Um, and, um, and then the direct, the kind of immediate work that, that had been done in all the ramifications of the Mosaic law. You know, so... Uh, thou shalt honor thy father and mother they had already kind of deduced from that on you know obeying the state obeying your leaders respecting um, you know um, authority Um, so that's with the Mosaic law then there was the whole law of the um, I guess you'd call it the Pentateuch the first five books and everything that um, was in the the law and the scriptures and then there was this third thing, which was the law that had come down, um, even at this point, and by you know, and it's it's continued to expand um, in some uh, schools. But it's this reflection and brooding on the Pentateuch and the Mosaic law that had been going on, where the scribes um, had just come, you know, been just building this edifice of of laws. And, um, you know, I guess you could think of it as capital L law and small l law. But that, um, you know, when he says that the scribes, for many of them, you know, later on he says, you know, you've, you've made it impossible for anyone to come close to God with all of your laws. But you yourself don't come close to God. Um, and so in that sense of the law, uh, we know, you know, taking it, as we said last week, you have to read the scripture in context. Well, you know, Jesus let his disciples eat corn when they were walking through the fields or wheat because they were hungry. And that was part of the law. So what, you know, he had said, but here he's saying, don't, you can't change one dot or letter of the law. So I think clearly, um, taking it in context, the law is given from God, the law written on our hearts, um, the law that is eternal and universal. 
this law um, cannot be um, taken away from or changed. So, uh, but then the the rules of men um, is another matter, and um, and you come down to well, what are they coming from? You know, what are they really flowing from? Are they flowing from a truth about man, a truth about what is good, or are they coming from a particular person's issue? And having been in religious life nine and a half years. I learned all about this kind of thing because whichever provincial would come in, there would be so many switches in the way we did things based on the preferences of that provincial. And it was considered, I mean, at that, that time, and this was in the 80s in our community, it was considered really a sign of bad will if you didn't conform your preferences to even the, the um, provincial's uh, whims. And I remember at one point when I was a postulant, um, washing the mop out wrong <laughs> and they had a formula that, that the novice mistress had taught them and she went on to become provincial and I come in as a postulant how do I know all this and they told us you know you wash it out this way then you use the soap then you rinse it twice and then you put it like this or something it was some weird ritual and you know i had been doing it that way without because that's how I was taught and then one day I got like really manic and wild and like did it slightly differently and um, you know, I called on the carpet for it. My one of my fellow nuns sisters reported me for um, <laughs> you know for this, and I had to go in and you know face um, this defiance, my, my issues with obedience, and all of this stuff. And it was like it's washing out a mop, you know. But um, you know, whatever. And then you do well, you do it for God and all this stuff, and that's religious life. But I really felt like the problem was that then the next provincial came in and she's like, that's so ridiculous. We're wasting so much time washing out the mops that way. And so everything stopped. And you realize that that was not a law that really proceeded from the nature of things. It was somebody's preference. So long story there, but I think in every age, in every situation, there's the same kind of thing that Christ might have been referring to. Anybody um, else want to talk about other possible meanings there in that for you or um, anything else? Um? It actually reminded me of um, what, uh, what, what was the gospel that you read? The <laughs> challenge? Yeah, yeah, no, no. I didn't know if it was Matthew. Oh. Matthew. It wasn't me. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it reminded me of the challenge because so much of it is, it's just like what you're saying, it's intent or motivation. You know, it's, it seems like it's the, um, like what you said about it being written on a heart, like the thing with the talents, mm-hmm. it's like he wasn't calling, he was calling the guy because his intention, mm-hmm. you know, the guy that only, that buried his talent. Um, it, because I, I also noticed he, because he called him lazy, mm-hmm. and it's like it wasn't, I mean, he went, he worked hard and he buried him. <laughs> but his, you know, his intent was to get away with not, you know, doing any hard work. Yeah, and that it's that thing with God where some people ask God a question and they're struck mute. Some people ask God a question and they're answered. Mm-hmm. You know, Mary asked, how can this be? He told her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Like, right, how can this be? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it seems like that's true with the law, too. It's like, how come some days you can walk through, you can, you can heal a guy on a Sunday, but, you know, it's like all in yeah. Is it to glorify God? Is it, you know? Well, I think also the law can really be power. You know, that, and that's the challenge of authority is to not get into that kind of thing. I mean, don't, don't you think that? Um, yeah. That you know, 
you know, a little the, bit of power? On, on, uh, I can remember when I came into uh, religious life, the, there was a, it, no one ever said this, but, but you'd hear the older guys say, well, keep, keep the rule and the rule will keep you. Mm-hmm. Even, even if you don't understand all of the rules and why they exist. For example, we had a rule that, that uh, at the time they were called postulants should not speak to professed religious yeah, without permission. And it seemed like a silly rule yeah. because apostles were new and the professed were a few years older than we were. We weren't supposed to speak with them with, without permission from the superior. And uh, and uh, looking back on it, there was there was some wisdom in it because you when you come in as a as a new person, you if you're over if you are, are exposed to everything in the community, like all the gossip and everything mm-hmm. else. It, it can be very you can be scandalized and, and very disheartened and all of that so that um, there I always found that there was some wisdom behind mm-hmm. a lot of the rules maybe not all of them and and, and yet in, in this um, I don't think this appears in any of the other three gospels uh, that when, when Jesus says I came not to change one uh, letter of the law, or even one part of the letter of the law, but rather to fulfill it. And Matthew, Matthew is um, is very concerned throughout with making sure that that the law and the prophets are respected, and that Jesus is seen as as someone who is in continuity with them, and that he fulfills all of the law and prophets. I don't know if you went over all of that, but but in any case, I I think it only. It only could be said in Matthew's Gospel, mm-hmm. and, and the, the the great respect that um, that he has for the for the law. I don't know. Does he does he say in Matthew's Gospel that um, uh, what's he? The oh, I used the the why are your uh, disciples? Uh, eating, doing, they, yeah, yeah. eating without washing their hands. Yeah, I don't know if that was in. Um, I love the line at the end though that says, you know, where he's kind of separating righteousness from. Uh, or I mean, really, I, I mean, I think the the point is that the, these some of these rules have nothing to do with righteousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when he says your righteousness must surpass the scribes and the Pharisees who were supposed yeah. to be the good people of the time. Um, and and uh, but you know, eating wheat on if you're hungry uh, when yeah. people are hungry is, is not is nothing to do with righteousness. You know, right. righteousness has to do with something deeper. And so I think that that's the the thing for us to say. You know, that there are different senses of the law, and um, and you know, Christ is talking about the law that's uh, eternal here. And it points toward Him. You know, I think that, that, that you know the, the commandments are one thing, but. But I think that the, the, what I've always been taught is that you know the law and the prophets. What, you know what this was was that what was pointing toward Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, his and that until it's fulfilled. And that was, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And right. it fulfills it. That's yeah. true. That's yeah. very true. Yeah. And so that that that's sort of your litmus test mm-hmm. in a certain way. Doesn't mm-hmm. righteousness come from some root meaning in relationship or something? Doesn't mm-hmm. have some mm-hmm. like the root word means in, in right in relation. relation in a, huh. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's the understanding of justice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Scripture. The the primary understanding of justice in scripture is is um, right relationships. That's some custom um, hierarchy too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
Okay, let's read about anger. Someone? You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar, go first and be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court with him. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guards, and you'll be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. Um, thank you. Um, I love this part here, because we've just heard Jesus say, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And you can imagine people in the audience saying, well, how could our righteousness surpass the scribes and the Pharisees. So he's like, well, I'm going to tell you. For the scribes and the Pharisees, and then you have this series of things where he keeps saying, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And it's really funny. I mean, it's so um, funny. Uh, It's amazing because he's just said that we must, you know, honor the law and the prophets, and you cannot take away anything from them. But now he's setting himself up in a a kind of superiority to the law and the prophets by saying, okay, well, here's the law and the prophets. You have heard it said, but I say to you. um, And so um, it's it's masterful in the sense of the master uh, coming and um, and kind of um, uh, being, you know, sovereign over the law and the prophets Mm -hmm. um, in this. But um, this to me is also the heart, why we're reading this anyway, is, uh, with this thing, is that what is Christianity about? It is not just being a nice person. It's being a hero. It's doing things that, that ordinariness, that are beyond ordinary, that are beyond just the bare minimum, um, that are absolutely kind of extreme. And 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 um, extreme in the, in the because they are uh, motivated from love of the good, uh, who is God. You know, love of of, of God is what is the thing that's going to make your behavior move from the bare minimum to. You know, it's not that we're going to get caught. We're not even going to think about it in some of these things. And it only only thing that makes sense of it is kind of this passion. You love God as a person, you, and you wouldn't do anything. Um, you wouldn't even want anything that He doesn't want, uh, and that—that's where—that's the righteousness that surpasses the scribes and the Pharisees, who are all about legalism in the sense of getting by. And I know I teach undergrads, so I can I can sympathize with the scribes and the Pharisees because every week they come in and say to me, "Okay, you said 10% of our grade was this paper. Well, what about if we only turn in?" seven of the nine pages, does that mean it's 80% of the 10% of our grade? For the, you know, and I'm like, turn in the paper! <laughs> what in the world? But they're, they absolutely keep pushing me into this kind of legalistic, you know, well, how many percent did I promise you on that? And, you know, all this stuff. Uh, so I think um, that's the, pr- the trap of authority is that, that people are always trying to figure out the bare minimum. But anyway, so um, here's, here's the first of the you have heard it said, but I say to you. And um, I wonder. I was wondering when I read this, um, 
and I, it always kind of stands out for me, that Jesus says, and I, I'd love to hear what you all think about that, This, um, but I say to you, you know, uh, you, you've heard it said that whoever, um, that you won't, you shouldn't kill anybody. But I say to you, whoever's angry with his brother, the thing that I think is interesting here is the with his brother um, qualifier. Because you, they, it doesn't say you shall not kill your brother. It says just you shall not kill. But why is a qualifier, if you're angry with your brother, um, you're liable to judgment. Anybody have any uh, any thoughts on that? Why he brings in that? I, I have a couple of ideas, but I'd like to. Um, does anybody have? Um well, it strikes me the same as you know who is your neighbor. Uh-huh. You know that he's he likes to take it. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't separate yourself mm-hmm. from saying I'm allowed to hate these people and I'm allowed to be angry mm-hmm. at these people. Mm-hmm. And if he brings it right to brother, it's like you can't get any closer. Yeah. So if I'm not even allowed to be angry with my brother, then that means nobody. Yeah. You know, sort of like mm-hmm. in that, who is your neighbor? Yeah. Father, I, I tend to agree with that. Sets the bar pretty high. I mean, yeah. I mean yeah. we go from talking about people you'd kill, which are enemies and are distant, mm-hmm. but people that... We would be angry with him. I think the people closest to us are often the people we're the most angry. The only people who really get to us. Yeah. You know, I can take pretty much anything from anybody. Then I go home, and I'm a different human being in that the anger that I can feel towards my sisters. Um, I mean, what is that about? You know, why is it that your family can get to you <laughs> on a whole? I, I'm a nor- I've never <laughs> raised my voice here. I'm home three days in Rhode Island, and I'm like, are you? And it's like, what? And then then they're like, you know, um, my mother said last time I was home, because one of my sisters was picking on me, and she said, your sister is a prophet. So I'm like, I'm a prophet. Um, Three days later, I was having a knockdown, drag-out fight with Valerie over the most ridiculous thing. And in the middle of the fight, she goes, is this being a prophet? And I'm like, Like, I would have killed her. But um, anyway, so I think um, it's... um, it's, and, and we allow ourselves to feel that way toward our family. So um, anyway, I just thought, I just wanted to point that out that I think that um, the the anger toward a brother, um, uh, you're liable to judgment. And if you say to your brother, "Fool, Raka," well, Raka, I mean, fool is later. What is Raka? Raka is it's down here. I love this imbecile, blockhead. Um, <laughs> a term of abuse. Yeah, term of abuse. Idiot, any kind of demeaning thing that you say to your brother. Um, Without cause. Uh, doesn't say that. So I'm, I'm <laughs> just, the, the, point, the point that I would... Yeah. To me, the big qualifier, what you were saying before, right. is, you, you know, uh, whoever's angry with his brother without cause. Um... It doesn't say that. Okay. Well, no, it doesn't. No. My, my note has that it's oh. in some ancient authorities it does have without cause. Without yeah, cause. Yeah, right. It does say it yeah. here, too. Okay, yeah. In, in the translation we have, they don't put it up there. Right. Well, yeah. I think because, again, that's intent, because he also says, do not sin in your anger. It's right. not like yeah, you can't sure. get angry, yeah. obviously. You know, it could be both. I mean, brother, as you were saying, neighbor, everybody. Right. Everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and then it could be... You're near, you know, the the person that that uh, will not, you know, you're not going to walk away from. Yeah, I think it, it just also makes you really just think, though, of the complete, the even more inappropriateness of 
between those who should be bound by love yeah. and understanding and support. The ones who should be supporting each other most often are the ones at each other's throat. Mm -hmm. And that we say the worst things to the people closest to us. Um, which, that's, for some reason, I just thought of that. It's because I'm headed home in a couple because weeks. Because they love you. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to walk out of They're this not going to walk away. Right. Right. You're stuck you, if you do it here, we'll... We love you within reason. <laughs> um, I, I think that the main thing I get out of this passage, and I'd like to hear other, you know, I'd like everybody else say things, is this idea, though, of not feeding anger, that the goal, above all, is to get rid of it. That anger is one of the seven deadly problems, <laughs> right? In the sense that it's, it's. Um, we used to. I remember I had a professor of theology once, and he was saying anger is like when you have like the, you've got mosquito bite or a rash, and you scratch it and scratch it, and it hurts so good, you know, like mm -hmm. that. That that you can just keep scratching and scratching and scratching and never heal, and and it just that will not heal, and it it. it feels good in a way that's, that's um, terrible, uh, really, and, and destructive. But the idea of feeding anger the way we would speak to a temptation, you know, nurture it, enjoy it, talk to people about it, go over it and over it and over it, um, kind of, uh, that that is the problem, that that's what we're not allowed to do. We're not, you know, it's not good for us. It's the same, it's the same sort of thing as, as entertaining whatever in your heart. You know, when you entertain adultery, when you entertain anger, and you, and you, you know, you have, you, you have it, it's, it, it allows that seed to, to, to grow. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's sort of simple in, in a way, because really it's of the same, you know, of the same nature in that when you, when there's, a, there's, a, there's a thing that happens when you get angry, a righteousness, or, you know, if you feel like more often than not, we feel like it's a righteous anger, yeah. right. you know, and, and so we're having that, and, we, and that goes into our heart, mm -hmm. and, it, and we entertain it, and we let it grow, and we hold it there. And, I and think it makes it even more dangerous, it, because you think it's righteous, so it, it, it feels like it's almost a good thing, Yeah. but it can really take, it, it poisons the soul. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting is that rarely happens if you let it out immediately. Like well, I think everybody has their own... I mean, yeah, 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 different ways of going. Yeah, but it's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, usually if you like blurt yeah. it out, it kind of gets dealt with. It's yeah. when you hold it in, you know, and think it, and then tell somebody else about that person or whatever it is. It's the entertaining of it. It's, it's yeah. the, 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 the feeding of it, you know, and uh, and, and uh, allowing it to grow, and and then also the planning that happens, you know, because you know when you, you when you, in your heart when you get angry. You start planning on how you can hurt or or or, or, or avenge that anger, you know, and that's a whole nother. It changes your eye too, because then you start to see the person toward the who, who the anger is directed toward. You see everything. Yeah. I mean, and that I think can happen in families. That, you know, just well, and, and that's the same thing that happens with, yeah. when, when, you, when you go home. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one there's one trigger, there's another trigger, and that anger is still partially there. You know, I mean it's. It's a hard thing. I mean, it is a dangerous thing. That's why it's one of the seven deadly sins. It's, yeah. it's poison. Well, the thing is, I, I just wonder, though. I think it's, it, it's probably semantic, but that it's not anger anymore, then. Because I still think anger well, is unhealthy. I, well, and God that's why it's interesting to know if the word here is really wrath. Mm -hmm. And it gets that's translated that's into English mm -hmm. using the word anger a lot, mm -hmm. when a lot of times the word that they 
they have is rad. Right. Right. We really need Greek. Yeah. I think we know the difference, though, between righteous outrage at, you know, horror at evil, um, something which really should not be, and then, or the kind of heart-pumping rage that, yeah. you know, that's uh, so emotional. It's emotional, whereas the other one is more intellectual, I think, you know, where, right. uh, where something, it, it's like, it, it's this, you know, we talked about the hierarchy, you know, being justice. When you recognize intellectually, this should not be. It's not that it turns you into a fire-breathing, screaming, um, you know, it, because to me, anger is so much tied up in, do you know who I am? It's me! You know, right. and, and that's when I get, and, and it comes out of me when I'm like in lines at grocery stores and people cut into me, or when I'm turning <laughs> my car into a park, somebody jumps in front of me, or, um, you know, when something like that happens, um, even, um, it's like, you know, oh, and it's the rage of Satan um, at, you know, how dare you ask me to serve one of them. <laughs> you know. But I think the intellectual can be can be that can turn that too if it gets to a point where it distracts from seeing other things that are going on. Um, if it if it gets in the way of seeing the bigger picture, which I think the intellect usually does, and so so something um, again, I think a vision of of kind of total corruption. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of spreads and builds into a more of emotional attitude. It's so hard to negotiate yeah. because you yeah, know, yeah. in one chapter of the Bible, we have Jesus calling the Pharisees, "You whited out sepulchers full of dead men's bones, rotted on the outside." He calls Herod a fox. Yeah. Tell you know Herod the fox. He goes, you know, I mean, this is um Christ um, driving them out. You have turned my father's house into a den of Thieves, calling them thieves. Uh, this is um, emotional stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, and yet, um, I don't know if I could trust myself to that in the same way, you know. Yeah. Um, it's different, though, than yeah. from from letting anger come in and take over your whole life. Right. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. the, like, because there are, there are some people that are there are people in the church, people outside the church who are who are angry even though they don't look angry all the time they're they're angry and and it's it's become it's really taken over uh-huh. it might it might not even be expressed might maybe it should be expressed more. it's that seeming right. anger yeah. that's right. it's, it's bad it's, it's it's that it permeates like Sandra Bullock's character in Crash where she has that whole yeah, conversation yeah, like yeah. Angry I'm angry at this I'm angry at that I'm angry all the time mm-hmm. yeah. because if we if it doesn't come out I would much prefer outbursts of anger that, you know, whatever, and even if, you know, it's like maybe you regret something, you, you know, but it's not a big deal. If it's in the moment... It can build relationships. Yeah. yeah. Because it can if you also help people. It's, oh, yeah, it's going to yeah, come yeah. out the side. Yeah. It's going to find ways. I think it's somehow, it just feels like it's that thing that just sits and rocks in your heart. That, you know, last night, just uh, uh, an anger I had last night, uh, um, we live in, the, in, in Old Town Pasadena, right in the city, and there was this old gentleman in a wheelchair, and, and he might have... I mean, whatever his problem was, but he was crossing the street and literally taking six lights to do it. <laughs> and cars were driving around. And and I was, I was on my balcony, and there's, there's people out there, and they're just standing there, looking at him. 
you know, he was almost getting hit. And so I put my shoes on and run downstairs, you know, and then there's cops there and they just drive by. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I was so angry. And so I went and grabbed him and took him over the curb and there was a bunch of gentlemen standing there. And I said, what the hell is wrong with you people that you don't help this man? I saw them staring at him, you know, sitting there on the corner, and it's just like... But to me, that's anyway, appropriate that, anger because... I got it out, and I was fine. Yeah. 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 And, you didn't, and you didn't get beat up. No. <laughs> <laughs> but those people heard that. Yeah. If he hasn't said that, I mean, I know yeah. they will think twice the next time somebody needs help, but they might be called on it. I mean, because you, we think we get away with stuff because nobody said anything, so I got away with not doing anything. Or you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, that to me seems like really appropriate. But you, you know where my anger came from? Mm-hmm. I mean, or at least part of it was it is my disgust with humanity. Mm-hmm. I mean, that 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 was the, the anger that I was holding. Yeah, that was, that was right. so. Uh, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have gotten as angry. I, I probably would have said something because I'm just the kind of person to say something. But but I realized I was getting riled up again, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of thing that I, I'm holding. Yeah. You know, I do hold you know a, a sadness about humanity and you know and yeah. where we've become. And I know I have anger about that. And maybe that's the kind. Well, of I think anger. that I'm more and more listening to everybody here. I'm really thinking it's the failure to forgive mm-hmm. that is the problem. Like yeah. when you keep something inside of you. And you will not forgive it. Yeah. Um, that's kind of different than, I mean, Christ seeing the, the thieves robbing the people in the temple, it, it wasn't at all that, you know, um, that it was that he had been nurturing this because they had treated him badly and he was here and then, you know, he rolled up this whole, you know, it was, the moment was so wrong, you know, but that's a different thing. That's what the next two examples are exactly talking about. Yeah. When you have something, you're about to present an offer. And there's some backstory of you've got some something with a guy. It's like mm-hmm. leave it there and don't even present it. So you go take care of that and then come back. And then mm-hmm. again, it's when you're on your way going somewhere yeah. and there's an outstanding debt and mm-hmm. it's it is it's all hanging hanging mm-hmm. stuff and it talks about anger being very restraining and you know. What does it mean to you, um, everybody? And you practically give me a practical. Yeah, you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift at the altar. Be reconciled with your brother. What? Okay, that's fine in the ancient Jewish time when they were bringing gifts to the altar. What does that mean for us? So I do Chris. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think... And especially we're talking the daily mass problem. <laughs> I mean, in one sense, it's every morning offering. That's why people only go once a month. Right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's like every day you offer your day to Jesus, right? And then, but you're, but there you remember as you're beginning to offer your day that somebody has something against you. Um you know, that somehow your offering um, it's it's just not ready um, to be given until you deal with it. But um, that's a, a really interesting one um, to kind of try and live yeah. out. You know, the other the other piece of anger that you, you I think you illustrated both sides of it because I I think that the the anger of um, of Jesus is a, is something that he's in control of. It might be 
might be yeah. magnificent anger too, and, and and overwhelming. But but using control of it, I, I think the other the other anger that is really evil is when it when it takes control of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you might have had both at the same time. Probably. Not. <laughs> but but the but sure. No, please sorry. Well, I I I was just uh, following up on what you were saying, Barbara, about about. If, if your brother has anything against you, they might have something against you that that you had no responsibility for causing mm-hmm. at all, and yet you still uh, there's it has to do with forgiveness mm-hmm. that, that that I'm forgiving and I'm not I'm not at the mercy of whether the person uh, accepts the forgiveness or not. I still forgive. See, we we can't ask for repentance. Right. Of, of That's right. That yeah. And that's my big, you know, that, that's like sure. one of my big struggles. Yeah, that, but I, I, I'm called to forgive them yeah. over and over yeah, and, and over. Yeah, and how, how they respond is not up to you. I got to call for them. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, that is the thing. I just, you know, and because you go, well, you know, I've been wrong. And then you entertain it. You own, you know, you own it. And, yeah. and, it's, and then, you know, because like I'll work with people and try and make them see the error of their ways. And the often, like, you know, it's like, I can't demand that repentance. You know, and that's, I think the big thing is, is, is it's hard for us because we, we seek justice, you know, and we also seek our own way to, to just, I'm not going to get repentance from anyone in this world except for me and my loved ones every once in a while. And, and you know, and, and it's just that that's okay. I have to find a way to forgive without getting anything out of it. Yeah. yeah. Unilateral. And that came through in the reading a couple of weeks ago where it said that the gospel of how many times do I forgive? Not sometimes. Right. Yeah. It ends with, so also my Heavenly Father will do to you, to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Mm-hmm. And the anger was not the main issue. It was what you said, the unforgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I, I just love the praise here, and it's always stood out mm-hmm. for me. Um, there, if you recall that your brother has anything against you, mm-hmm. you always you expect it to be uh, there. If you recall that you have something yeah. against your brother, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. and you, you see the difference of the two, you know, it's like one of them is um, if it was, and there you recall that you have something against your brother, that would be something that he's done to you that you need to forgive. Right. So, in other words, if you remember that somebody you need to forgive, then you need to forgive them first before you come to the altar. That's not what this is. It's if you get there and you <laughs> recall that they need to forgive you something. So, because the first one I think is assumed. I know, and I love how far that calls you because it's like you may not have done something wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yet you have to go be reconciled. You have to be reconciled. Like, even if it's not so even far. right. Yeah, they have something not, against you, yeah. like your face. Not your fault at all. You have yeah. got the job they should have gotten. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, they envy you for something. Yeah. Whatever. This person just has something against me. I don't know what it is. And what we tend to do yeah. as Christians is just avoid them. Here's another dimension to this, too. This is the way the rabbis have been <laughs> developed uh, all of that commentary on scripture, but I'm wondering if if we have a different responsibility if we're in the Christian community to each other and, and uh, a, a responsibility to be reconciled with those who are properly our brothers in the Christian community. Uh-huh. From those who are our brothers 
uh, or sisters because they're members of the human race and creating gods and mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't would know say so. I mean, I think I, I I think the use of the word brother is special here. Yeah. You know, it seems like it's not everywhere. You know, it doesn't. He doesn't say whoever divorces divorces his wife. You know, in the tribe, or you know, or or if you uh, if your brother takes your coat, give him your hat. You know, he doesn't use that, but yeah. he uses it here. You know, and so I think yeah, there's something particularly wrong about nurturing um, a lack of forgiveness in the community. Yeah. Um, because yeah. we have the tools to forgive, and maybe they don't <coughs> as much outside. You know, mm-hmm. like we're working from the same. Well, I mean, he was talking in a specific community. I mean, yeah. they were already going together at the altar, and it, so you know, yeah. it wasn't as if it was some guy at shop. It's true, but um, I think you know, in the sense of bringing it down through the ages. Also, the, remember, you know, he says, "They will know you are my disciples." By your community with one another. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the the stakes are so high that we not um, keep breaking up because we can't get along. You know, I I honestly have seen so many times in my life wherever two or three Christians are gathered, um, they will find a reason to break off and form a new group. It's something so horribly scandalous about um, you know when we good um, really solid believers end up not being able to resolve our issues um, and end up you know lawsuit but uh, I think the penitential right for me at the beginning of Eucharist is so important and I, and I'm serious about it where you and especially the confeder that says I confess to Almighty God and to my brothers and sisters that I have sins in my own fault and my thoughts and my words because it's real and especially the more public you are the more people that you've probably offended in all those ways mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so it's, a, it's an important part you know what's, 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 what's interesting that comes up because I'm trying to get to the root of most of my anger it's mostly pride isn't it you know when you in, 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 you're talking about yeah, all the yeah. how this could this happen to me yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and all the stuff at the churches it, it's, you know it was just pride sure. you know people saying no I'm right no I'm right mm-hmm. you know and a lot of anger is, is born out of pride and, yeah. and you know and that's an interesting you know, thing to consider. What do you all make of this verse 26? I've always read it as a, as a kind of little prophecy of, uh, or reference to uh, purgatory to me. But, um, you know, a man oh, I yeah. say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. Um, but, you know, what else um, meaning of that for anybody? Any other possible reading of that? Just kind of emphasizing... It's Heather's turn. You'll bring up the ring. You pick on me. I know. She only cares about the ring. I know. I'm like, I'm like, well, what about this word? Okay. <laughs> 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 Do they have penny sections? <laughs> 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 no. Um, actually, what I was just thinking was, um, uh, this might be a really retarded thought, but I wasn't expecting uh, Father over here to pick on me. But um. But what I was thinking was, it's funny how you'll be thrown into prison and you'll not be released until you've paid the last penny, but the first thought that came into my head is, how are you going to make any money in prison? (laughs) 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 I get it. I guess. So, I I mean, it's like, if if you didn't already have it, then you're stuck there forever, I guess. I don't know. I mean, that's sort of, Yeah. yeah, that was... That's true. That's it. Of course, the purgatory <laughs> idea, though, because yeah, exactly. you get out is other people do it for you. Do it right. for you, yeah. 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 
I don't know. I just always thought of purgatory when I um, saw that. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's another. Um, you know, it's clearly not purgatory just for me. It seemed like an odd way because usually he would say, you know, and if you don't, you end up gnashing your teeth in Gehenna, you know. So this one is like, and you won't be released till you have paid the last penny. Um, it's like, okay. And when is that? And there are a lot of, there are a lot of instances, especially in Matthew, where he says that. It's yeah. You're going to... Gonna pay, you're going to stay there. If you don't settle before you you get to court, you're going to... Was he a tax collector? Uh, yes, he was. Yeah, was. yeah, yeah there was. you go. Uh, uh, and I knew, so prison was something he got to do. very concerned about money. And too. the pennies. Yeah, that's and, uh, funny. It's an expression like, to bitter end. Sure. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just love that he's so concerned for us about consequences. Because yeah. that's what we don't care about. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I need to be angry in the moment. You know, it's like whatever, and he's like, there are consequences. Think through what you're doing. Um, a lot of times in court, it's whoever has the best argument or the best defense, but not necessarily who's right. morally right. right yeah. So if you settle out of court and you know if you know you're a good person, you know when you're wrong. Right. And um, yeah. but it's a matter of people go to court with these great attorneys to get away with things. Yeah. And if you were to decide, okay, well, morally I'm wrong, I do owe this person this money, so mm-hmm. instead of putting it towards a great attorney to get me out of it, mm-hmm. maybe I should pay them back the money I owe them, and that would be like settling out of court, I guess. Yeah. Maybe that's kind of what it's I'm saying. Trusting in that right. law. Yeah. Trusting yeah. in the law, the basic right. law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And now you're paying to the last penny. Yeah. But so, you, yeah. Can't, you can't speak to this person. Right. Yeah. It's part of the It's suit. really awful. Yeah. All right. Let's move into adultery. All right. Um, yeah, okay. okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, someone want to read this? John, you're yawning. Why don't you read it? <laughs> You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks on a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better better for you that one of the parts of your body perish than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you that one of one of the parts of your body perish than for the whole body to go into hell. And it was said, Whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the cause of unchastity, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Okay, thank you. Here we are. Um, this, these probably, this, you know, four verses, five verses has caused the church more trouble than <laughs> so much else. If only he hadn't said this, you know, man. But um, I think, um, you know, I, I, whenever I read this passage, I remember this old Italian nun that I had in our novitiate again, and um, we said to her once this, um, what did Jesus mean by saying you should, you know, if your hand <coughs> causes you to sin, cut it off, and, you know, how does that, uh, you know, whatever, because we were novices, very scrupulous, and everything, trying to get bottom, and she said, sisters, don't worry, your hand never causes you to sin. <laughs> which, um, which I loved, you know. I mean, if only you could say, "Oh, this eye of mine is yeah, <laughs> just right. reading porn all the time," <laughs> you know? Um, you know, or this hand it just keeps stealing. I um, stop that. Stop. You know, like like um, which I just love. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, then it's Sorry. not. <laughs> it's it's really not that the parts of your body lead you into sin, 
Um, but I, another understanding of it, um, it's that you put them into service of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in that sense, that frees you up from the worry that you might have to cut something off, right? Because the, these things are only acting under your command. Um, then the next thing, though, is um, I always love to read to this in the sense of um, relationship. Uh, the idea that if someone or something as close to you as your eye or your hand is leading you into sin. You have got to be willing out of love of God because of God's love and your love of Him, you cannot keep both things in your life. You cannot be in relationship with God in love and at the same time be in relationship with someone who is you know, you hate yourself after you've been with them um, because they they make you do shameful, loathsome things. They take you to shame. Not they make you do, but they they encourage you to do shameful, loathsome things. You know that you hate the person. I have some friends. I have to say, Claire is one of them. I like. Uh, I, yeah, I know. I know. Whatever. You just I, said hateful. No, 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 no. <laughs> I like the person I am what when I'm with you. You know, I, I, I really do. I think you wouldn't put up with me bad behavior, being less than I am. I used to have a friend, Mary, in college, and when we start gossiping, Mary would go, "I gotta go study," and like grab her books and walk out, and we would all be like. <laughs> and she must have done it she only did it like three or four times in the year and she was like we were four girls in the dorm and and afterwards I said Mary do you realize you kind of like just you know kill the gossip and you do she goes oh I'm so I'm so prone to gossip I just can't even be around it so if it even oh. seems like it's going there I have to leave because I'm so weak and we'd be like <laughs> you know but Mary I trust I trusted to be with her because she didn't she, she brought out she made me a better person so I, I would say that to you. Those are my two opening thoughts about those two lines. Mm-hmm. One is that your hand does not cause you to sin. Right. And, and number two is that you, you, you need to be willing to put some things or some people out of your life as, you know, as, as, as close to you as your own eye. It's also like, I, if I was taught it right, but the... Uh, Judaism, they they don't they don't think you have a body. You are your body. And for us, over two thousand years, we've learned that we have a body. My body is me. For them, it's like uh-huh. so. It's totally yeah. yeah, you are you. This yeah, is me. It's good. So like, and when all scripture talks about body stuff, it's, it's much different. So can you expand? Just say yeah. that a little further. Like take that to what how you would. Well, that's it's exactly what you're saying. It's for us. It's like it's the hand thing. You, you nailed it. I mean, it's it's. But your hand is you. you. You are completely culpable for what your body does. Your hand is the act. Yeah. It's, there's no se- separate thing. So then, um, what was Christ saying to them if his audience understood that already? Um. I mean, you'd have. Uh, it isn't cut off your hand. It's cut your whole self off from this from whatever, thing, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. that's the misinterpretation of you know, yeah. pluck your eyeball. That's just over years of philo- you know, philosophy of how we understand ourselves and the mind and yeah. where the person exists. Huh. And whatever that sin is, it's giving you pleasure. Isn't it better to go through life without that pleasure? Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, but we think no, no. I have the right to this. Mm-hmm. You cut know. yourself off, or I can handle it. Yeah. I can handle it. Yeah. 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 
How would someone who takes the 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 words of scripture literally take this? I mean, because clearly you don't have all these fundamentalist Christians going around blind because well, because they have to have their No, but I, I I've always wondered what they yeah. what they think about yeah. when when they read right. this because it. They're funnily selective, though. Yeah, I know a friend really. who was literalist, fundamentalist, and one day I said to him, "This is unless you drink my flesh, you know, drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no life in you." And he's like, "Oh, please!" That's like him saying, "You are the vine, I am the branches." He wasn't made of vine, and you're not branches. <laughs> and so I was like, kind of struck at the mm-hmm. ability to kind of make mm-hmm. the metaphor, um, you know, kind of that, you yeah. know, to switch around. It becomes yeah. problematic though with the next. I mean, which has that line, the next one about divorce. Uh-huh. You know, is it is that I? No, no, we believe that it's not hyperbole. Right. I mean, you could read that as hyperbole, like uh-huh. the last two, and with a kind of hyperbole. Right. Well, um, let's talk about that then. You know, mm-hmm. um, it was said, whoever divorces his wife um, must give her a bill of divorce. Right. You know, you can do it. Um, but I say to you. You divorce your wife. I'm leaving out the qualifier here right now because no one knows what that means. Um, if you divorce your wife, you cause her to commit adultery. If you marry a divorced woman, you commit adultery. What could be a non... Say that one wasn't... You know, We take that one literally. Mm-hmm. What would be a non-literal sense of that if we were trying to read it in a non-literal way? Well, what I what I see in both of them is is Christ is calling us to look into our hearts mm-hmm. and and to to see and to analyze and react to the world in a you know in a different way mm-hmm. and and to know our hearts and to know the Holy Spirit's uh, leading. Mm-hmm. So you know the the fact of the matter is is there there's there's very few reasons why you should divorce your wife. You know and and and. You know, you know the, the qualifier that's in there, which is a little, like you say, it's a little confusing to me because that doesn't seem like the only, only reason. But maybe it, you know, mm-hmm. um, that that we need to go back to our vows. I mean, there was a vow there when 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 we, you know, in your heart, when you take that vow, you've taken that heart and you own that. You know, to mm-hmm. you own that, and and that when you break that vow, and then marry someone who's broken the vow as well, it's it's a it's a legacy of of brokenness. Of brokenness yeah. you know? But I think, t- take it not literally, would be the same as he's saying with everything. It's like, here are the consequences. Mm-hmm. You're both going off and committing adultery, and you're both broken now in your new marriages. And not that you can't, there's not reconciliation in that. Just like, you will call your brother a fool sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but there are, I want you to understand the consequences, the real broken the, the uh, our relationship will suffer you know mm-hmm. our righteousness will suffer and, and the, that there's real hurt that comes from that I mean because if, when people get legalistic it's because they're avoiding the hurt mm-hmm. and the pain that I mean they don't want to think about how we're limping around whereas we could be instead of divorcing and calling each other out in anger mm-hmm. we could be walking strongly right yeah and in the literal sense of this it would mean that the woman, and it's uh, interesting in both cases, it's about the woman because the woman would be stoned to death. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if literate, if you take it mm-hmm. 
further literally it means that she's an adulteress and should be killed. Mm -hmm. So I mean, in some ways to take it in a non, it, we're already doing it in a non-liberal when we don't mm -hmm. punish the way we would someone who would have been punished by adultery then. Sure. But I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, actually the note is really helpful. Here yeah, I know the whole thing about incest. Well, yeah, well, and also that that um, that um, in 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 Mark and in Luke in Mark and in and uh, Luke and in First Corinthians uh, and most scholars agree that um, well they prohibit and it's abs it's absolute the prohibition against divorce is absolute and most scholars agree that. That, that they represent the stand of Jesus. Matthew's acceptive clause, clauses are understood by some as a modification of the absolute prohibition. seems, however, that the unlawfulness that Matthew gives as a reason why a marriage must be broken refers to a situation peculiar to his community, the violation of Mosaic law forbidding marriage between persons of certain blood or legal relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd heard that before, that there were... Um, um, you know, people had, were allowed to marry their cousins or marry, you know, brothers yeah. or sisters actually in certain um, sections of the, the ancient Roman world or whatever. And so when they came in and suddenly they found converts coming in from, you know, Samaria or whatever and they're married to their brothers and the Christians needed to be able to say, no, this was not a marriage. You know, um, so, uh, uh -huh. you know, that, that's why that was emphasized. I'd heard that before. Um, That's yeah. true about ancient Rome. Um, yes. In, in some in, in Egypt, in, in Egypt sure. yeah, yeah, in certain quarters of the ancient world. Alabama. Yeah. I mean, this, this might be completely off, but like maybe somebody like from today who's trying to like modernize the church kind of thing. Yeah. Um, they might pull this crap argument, like, like it was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. Well, what if she wants a divorce? Then that's okay. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything. Yeah, yeah, I know, but exactly. But I mean, she said, you know, so what if you weren't going to take it literally? That's kind of like the point I was trying to say. Is like, yeah, I mean, if you really wanted to take your own, as long as the woman asks for divorce, right? Exactly. As long as it's not just the guy. If it's you know both of them, then they're cutting each other. The guy cancels each other out, and there's no sense. Very good. Uh, this is also, these um, passages are why I love that movie, Big Fish, so much, um, because it was all about, you know, the father would tell these, you know, crazy tales about his son's life, and, and the son would get frustrated because, it's like, I want the facts, I want the time I was born, the town I was born in, what we did when I was six, and the father's like, oh, you came bursting out of your mother, and the sun opened, and whatever. <laughs> and this is what God is saying to us. It's like, I'm trying to tell you the heart uh, of things, mm -hmm, and I'm right. trying to have a relationship with you, where sometimes I talk to you in big hyperbole, sometimes it's very, you know, but it's a relationship. Like, we talk to each other, and we exaggerate sometimes, and we, and he's like giving us the love uh, story. And we want, like, no, 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 but can I step outside the curve right, here? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. In, in a certain way, when I'm sitting here, as I'm also seeing a harmony between these, these, these things we've just studied now, 
um, is, is that he's expecting, is calling us to a radical way of living. Yep. Right. You know, and the thing is, when we ask for repentance from our wife, which, who, you know, we want to, she doesn't give us uh, repentance because, um, mm-hmm. until we decide to divorce her. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing as holding anger in your heart. Yeah, right. You know, it's just yeah. kind of the same thing. He's saying, mm-hmm. yeah, they change, change, right. your, change your whole perception. thinking. Yeah. You know, your minimalist right. thinking of right. what you need to do to make it. Yes. Yeah. I am asking you to be heroes. I'm asking you to be lovers of God. And that when you love God, you, it's, or it's when you love anyone. You're, yeah. you're so much about the, the whole thing that makes them happy and not mm-hmm. about just the you know, the absolute minimum. So the idea is to move our relationship from God with God, and I think this is what the Sermon of the Mount is, from we are the slaves of the of the God you know, God, we need to do this stuff to be his people, to we are children. We love our father, he loves us, and so we dance around trying to please him, but not trying to you know, to get past you know, just to get in and to, to, to uh, you know, to survive the process. And right. it's, it's, uh, you know, this is the New Testament. This is the good news that we're, we're, we're children now yeah. and, and we're beloved. And that that's how, you know, so, so all the minimalist thinking has to go. But um, we're being called to a very, you know, um, on one level, a very high um, level of life. But I, I think that, that it becomes possible because we are beloved children. And it's so it's you can do anything in love. You can do anything beyond yourself if you uh, let yourself love. You have energy. Um, and one of my favorite spiritual writers is her name is um, Carol Hauslander. She wrote in the 50s, 40s and 50s in England. Uh, just a brilliant writer. Um, and uh, she said it's only in love that we discover the the beauty and the fullness of our own being. And I I think the Sermon on the Mount is about that. If you give yourself over to love of God, you let it infuse you, um, then you know you have an energy that you didn't have. You'll discover an energy. You won't be focused on the same things. You'll be focused on bigger things. And you, you know, it, again, there's another line of uh, you know, my dad always used to say to us, girls, if you, sh- if you reach for the stars, you might not reach them, but you won't end up with a handful of mud either. Hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I think the Sermon on the Mount about that. You know, if you reach to be um, you know, and love for God, you reach to be pleasing Jesus or pleasing God. You know, you're not. You're gonna have some stuff, but you're not gonna end up. Whoops! I just murdered someone. You know, <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's not the kind of thing you slip into uh, if you're um, if you're tw- you know trying to please God. So anyway, on a more practical level, absolutely murder. Whoops! I won't have gossip about you. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And also, yeah. you know, we're we're the bride. He mm-hmm. he won't divorce us. Yeah, I true. mean, he has every reason to write us a bill, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and send us off. And, and mm. yeah, and it's the relationship, yeah, you know. Inter- that's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, yeah. 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 absolutely. Great. Well, let's. Uh, I guess we're staying together. No <laughs> <laughs> divorce. Uh, we're going to talk a lot more later on in the year about, um, you know, a lot of these things. Particularly, we'll talk about adultery. We'll talk about, you know, the commandments. Obviously, we'll talk about divorce and marriage teaching the church. Um, in this context, you know, what we really want to say though is this idea of a radical, a life of radical um, love that moves you out of the category of just getting by. And if you're thinking of those things, then um, you're not playing the game in the right in the right way. Uh, but 
literally this is the root of the Catholic Church's teaching that you cannot be married to two people at once um, who are living that because uh, because God does something in marriage <laughs> um, you know he makes the two one and so um, it's not something you can just undo uh, what, what the church does is go around proclaiming you weren't really married we thought you were you weren't really married you weren't really married you know and happens more or less um, I, my personal opinion is way too many people are getting married or make, excuse me way too many people are showing up to contract matrimony who are not prepared to enter into the contract the problem in the church is not too many annulments in my experience it's too many marriages because they, the catechesis the pre-marriage catechesis has been so deficient in the families and then secondly in the church you know I was taught I taught um, many uh, people when I was in the parish RCA program who were getting to be ready to be married and um, I, was, I was amazed at the religious ignorance the ignorance of the contract they're about to enter into um, what the church was, was what the church was thinking and how they we have to have children you know what you know we, we have to be open to that well oh come on you know and and it, it was amazing to me, and that one's just a, that was a big one. But I actually, heard that from one couple. So um, I think one of my best friends is getting married this Christmas, and he like just found that out. Just found that yeah. out. Then yeah. the priest was like, "What do you think marriage is for?" Yeah. And almost no discernment with anybody. No discernment. Yeah. yeah. Even with families, a lot of times. And and the, you know, and the whole thing about honesty, you know, and and being able to make known things um, so that the contract would be valid. Um, because it's common information. You know, I say to my people all the time, anything that would invalidate a civil contract would certainly invalidate, you know, the, the marriage in turn. And so if, if in a court of law we can say you didn't tell me the horse was, you know, lame when you sold him to me, and, you know, it, it works the same way. So we'll, we'll talk a lot about marriage later on, but this is the passage the church takes very seriously. Um, three to get married, and it's the marriage is, you know, it's... Um, God is involved. And actually, it's even clearer in those other passages in Mark. Right, yeah, even more so. so. Okay, teaching about oaths. Uh, somebody want to read this? I will. Again, you have heard that it was said to the men of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, Do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is, the, it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. <laughs> Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Um, I, um, I remember again, uh, once someone said to me about this passage that... Um, God is sovereign. You don't make him your witness because that makes him serve you. And um, the idea of an oath, don't swear at all. I mean, what was an oath? It was God tested, God will back me up that this is true. Where you're, you're making God your servant in that sense. Um, and... Um, be careful doing that. <laughs> you know, like I think on one, you know, be careful calling God to serve you. It's you serve God. 
Um, uh, so that's my one little thought about this. Um, but anybody else have some insights and thoughts about this passage? The other side of that is, you know, when God formed his covenant, God sort of is his word. And so we're kind of called to that same thing, to be nothing other than our word. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if you are, if someone is asking you to swear by something, it means you've lied to them in the past. <laughs> they have reason not to believe, you know, mm-hmm. Well, it kind of goes back to what we were discussing before in terms of, well, when you were talking about the court issue. Mm -hmm. And it's the same type of thing is that when we start going there, rather than just making our yes, yes, and our no, no, and we start going there, then it involves a bunch of different things. You know, the oath feels like a legal exercise. And it's the same kind of thing that sullies the process where if we could make our yes, yes, and our no, no, then we wouldn't have to go to court. Yeah. We wouldn't have to. to so it's, it's really about simplicity. You know, another hallmark of us is going to be our simplicity. Uh, we are not going to be. Um, again, oath taking is. Well, sometimes I tell the truth. Sometimes I take an oath. And what's the difference? You know, between you're just telling me the truth, and does that mean every time you're not take swearing an oath before God that what you say? might be not really true. Does that mean every time you say, how are you doing today? Not bad. Can you swear to God? Not bad because I don't know if I can trust you. You know, um, so I think, yeah, the idea of living simply and, um, and so that all of your words, when you say something, they should be true. I think it's pride and image related too, though. I mean, because we dance around, you know, when somebody asks us to do something or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't just say no. It's like, well, I would, mm. but I, and you make up a little white lie because you don't, and it's not even as much to protect their feelings as you don't want to look bad in that situation. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't want to come across as somebody that's not really, really willing to be with you on this thing. Right, yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's like we tell ourselves, oh, I'm protecting their feelings. But it's really, yeah. I want to look like the good person. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, and that, to me, that's getting into my yeses and no's. It gets really muddy and things yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Christian niceness. Mm-hmm. And, then, and, and even that's an excuse. No, I want to look good. Mm-hmm. I want the person to think well of me and so... Uh-huh. I don't take the chance. I do a muddy. Oh my gosh! I did that just the other day. I actually made up a story because I didn't want to go to do something. I was just too tired, and I didn't want the person to feel bad, so I made up a story and I let myself off the hustle. I was driving. I was like, I said, like something flashed in my brain. You just told a lie. It's like, no, it wasn't a lie. <laughs> yeah. It was. I just needed to not go there. I just couldn't go there, and I, you know, and but. <laughs> What was that about? You know, oh my gosh, you know, uh, Father, can I just have absolution here? <laughs> you know, um, but yes, be contrary to Bible, the intent of the to those who have a right to know. Yeah. I just think when we were in, um, when I had studied ethics, you know, that the whole, uh, this is the qualification, you know, what's a lie? Speech contrary to mind with the intention to deceive to someone who has a right to know. Politics. There you go. <laughs> but um, you know, because that's the one that gets you uh, when the when the Nazis come to the door and you're hiding Jews in the basement. Why you can say no, I don't have any Jews. Right. Yeah. That's not a lie, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, man, um, that's uh, better to just be speech contrary to mind with the intention to deceive. That takes care of jokes. Contrary to speech contrary to mind. Okay. With the intention to deceive. So a joke okay. is. An exaggeration or hyperbole yeah. is not that. Um, 
speech on rhyme with the intention to deceive to someone who has the right to know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Right. So, um, right to know. <laughs> that might have covered you. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. You know, it's interesting, though, that there's in, in Catholicism and, and most of the, the Christian churches, there, there's no prohibition against taking notes. Hmm. Yeah, I was wondering about and civil rights. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's no, you know, then the president takes the oath of office. So they can vote to God. Yeah. So help me God. But, it, but it, that's it, different than saying, as God is my witness. I will never go hungry. Well, I mean, I think we have to do it to function in society, but it shouldn't be necessary. The, Wait, yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's the that's right. the point. Right. Yeah. That's right. the point. But I think it's I think this is a this is a legitimate case in context of hyperbole right. to to simply say yes what 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 you were saying before. That yeah. It's just because we lie yes, so much yes, that the court yes. says, okay, right. this is a time where you must not lie. Right. And and but if we were horrified by lying, then that wouldn't be necessary, yeah. you know. But that there's nothing else that we have to keep ourselves. But there are people like I mean, I, I would imagine if you sit down and talk with Benedict and, and he says something, it, I, I would take it as the right. gospel, the gospel yeah. truth. Right. You know, I suppose. Yeah. Well, it's also that that simplicity too. If somebody asks you something and you say no, and you don't have to do this whole ring around. The, you know, it's like, yeah. and the reason why is because you know, it's like if you're just if you are living a simple life with people will also accept that from you. It's like, oh, okay, no. Yeah. You know, can you help me out on Tuesday? No, I can't. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, great. Right. Yeah, that we should be able to be that simple with each other yeah. on both sides. Yeah. 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 Takes a lot of courage. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you, you know, I always like to try to, especially, you know, here, I always try to picture what would the world look like if if we lived, this, if the kingdom of God was here, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it'd just be such a pleasant place, and you would have such a less amount of guilt and frustration and consternation in your life because you're just being honest, you're not holding on to anger, you're, you know, all of these different things, and just what a pleasant world this would be. And how we would just be brothers and sisters in a place that we've never been before, yeah. you know. And, and you know, I mean, that, and, and that of course is paradise. But but you know, that's what he's calling. But that is what he's calling us to. And, it, and it's not. It's not he's saying we'll do something like this. And that to me is always the interesting thing about mm-hmm. these. You know, he he. We're called not to sin. Mm-hmm. We abuse the, the living daylights out of grace, but we're called to that. And, and so we're called to think our yes, yes, and our no, no. I wish everybody who came and asked for money for the for the from the church. Yeah. If everyone, if only the people who really needed it came to get it for what they actually really use it for, it would be wonderful. Yeah. But as it is, you have to you have to go through long interviews and paperwork and all that stuff because. I still remember on Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco, this guy says he had a he's sitting out there begging, and he's got a big sign that says. Why lie? I want it for beer. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give that guy money. I'd give that guy money. I was the big money. Yeah. That guy was like, suck the drugs. Suck the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, it's so true. I remember once in Santa Monica, a guy outside the um, chicken store there, and I was going in for my dinner, and um, he said, you know, I have money for food. And I said to him, are you, did you really, you really hungry? And he said, I said, you, you didn't have dinner. And he's like, no. And so I went in and bought my, you know, myself my dinner, and I bought him a whole chicken dinner. And it came out, and I gave him the dinner. I handed him the bag, and I said, here. And he was like, oh, oh, thanks, thanks. 
And so I thought it was an odd reaction. I got my car, drove out, and then I just happened to look in my rearview mirror and I started tossed it into the trash. And that changed me. Um, that was like my early on time out in LA, and um, I never did anything like that again. Um, so and you just give them money now? No, I give money to <laughs> my little crisis pregnancy center and another place. I mean, yeah. one of the thing, one of the things that I was convicted of a while ago was was why why do you deny them? And you say it's because they're going to spend it on drugs. But yeah. I mean, some but. Once I heard, it's like, well, but this is how God gives. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's yeah. completely unconditional, it's complete grace. And it's like, yeah, they're going to say, but it's more for you to be giving not conditionally. You have to give because that's how God gives. But God gives good things to us. And this is how I give. I give, you know, I give to soup kitchens, and I give to, you know, places that can do it. And I carry in my bag, I carry a list of the places yep. that people can get food in Santa Monica. And, yeah, mm-hmm. and if they yes. want to take it, if they want to take it and use it, say it's, there's, the, there's the meal, mm-hmm. and there's the other service. Mm-hmm. And about the script. There's a difference between being in need and in want. Right. Yeah. And and that to me is. is I still is think I think that it's a gray line, and I think both are okay. I think it's fine to give a dollar to a guy on the street mm-hmm. if you feel moved to do so, because right. sometimes I take my dollar and I buy beer. Yeah. The dollar that God gives me, I'll you know what Didn't I mean. Drink beer. <laughs> well, not beer. That's what you thought. I mean, but let me let me put you another case. Yeah. Um, Supposing yeah. um, you know, my little nephew is five, and and everything he asked his mother for, she gave him. Because he want, he's asking for it. And I'm my, you know, my thing is to give. But I think that's being legalistic on the permissive side. I'm saying mm-hmm. that if I'm walking down the street and I see a guy and something in me says, give this guy a dollar, I should give him a dollar. But she's saying that's to help him and love yeah, him. Right. Yeah, supposing yeah, you can see him and, and yeah. four hours later, you know, shooting up with I your dollar. I have to trust that if something, if it was the spirit in me, I've got to trust that. I don't give every guy that I pass on the street a dollar. Right. But every now and then I get a feeling like, ah, uh, I suppose every now and then. But the problem is even the vision once of, you know, see the movie Traffic for me was like such a, you know, but even the idea once that somebody might, I might be cooperating in that by because I just can't be bothered. And I feel, to tell you that at a certain point, it costs me more to walk by when they're begging. That's what, I mean, that's know, what's then, hard to do. Yeah. I, I honestly, yeah. I sometimes give it because I just don't want the hassle of, right. Right. and, and wearing a, a collar, yeah. it's like, yeah, what kind of a priest are you? Right. And oh, it's, but, <laughs> but they, they don't say that. And I do the same thing, but... But then there's no it's, I I got nothing from that. No, yeah, yeah. Because it was really that was for me. That sure. was convenient yes. for me yep. to get rid of them. Yeah. And, yeah. and I have and I engage people. I, I'll talk to people. Mm-hmm. I told I'll, I'll just, you know I'll tell them things and and all that. And I don't mind somebody asking. I mind if they get belligerent, but I just and also there's a sense that if you don't get taken advantage of, sometimes you're not being. Then I know I'm not being generous enough. But I just, you know. I just think that it's tough to have a policy that's unbreakable about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? You I know, agree. I just yeah. feel like I mean I don't very often, but I just I would I, I just I wouldn't feel comfortable saying I will never give to that right. or I'll never give to Well it, 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 it's not the never. I mean I, I I swear my spirit tells me when you know, it, it, most often when I give money out on the streets it's not to someone who's asking. 
it's someone that I see that really, you know, I see this poor older gentleman that is, you know, sitting there, you know, like, like uh, sitting in the park, that, that, that couple, a different guy, not the, not the other, not the wheelchair guy. Yeah, but you get into relationships with homeless people. You're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, but to me. But that's better. I've done yeah, that, too. Yeah, I've done that. Where you see someone that's really hurting, and then, you know. the person in front of you in the grocery store line that's food stamps, and they don't have enough to buy. Yes, right. Absolutely. You know, split the, the cashier but and the, $5. And mm-hmm. just, some guy goes, give me a buck. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> or worse, sometimes, like, I mean, like, especially as a girl, like, I'll be walking down the street or something like that, and then I'll have some homeless guy chasing me, asking me for a dollar. I'm like, you're scaring me. Go away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, but what, something I was going to say earlier when we were on the, on the point about the whole giving them money to buy drugs, one thing that I would never be able to live with is, I mean, it's really common for, like, like a heroin addict to overdose and to know that like maybe I gave somebody a dollar that killed them you know I I wouldn't you know I mean even though you would never know that's a scary thought yeah but really if you start doing that it's like well I spent five dollars at Walmart yeah, no, you're you're right, but I mean, what what kind of opened oh. my eyes to that? What, what kind of opened my eyes to that was was one time my my roommates and I decided we were like all feeling crappy, so we're like, oh, we'll make ourselves feel good about ourselves, and we were you know living down the street in Hollywood, we're like, oh, we'll make ourselves feel better, and we'll go out and we'll make sandwiches and, and hand them out to all the homeless people in Hollywood, <laughs> and so we we did this, and we you know we go out and we're trying to keep, we couldn't pay them to take the sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're like, like, that's fine and great, but do you have any money? They're yeah. <laughs> like, no, we didn't even bring our purses. We just wanted to give you guys some food. Like, nobody can take our sandwiches. The bottom line is that that's not the comfort they're looking for. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, yeah. whether it be drugs or whatever, you know, or, or you know, or sloth, you know, whatever it is, that, that's not the comfort they're looking for. And, and, and that. And it, and it really is our trying to make ourselves feel better when yeah. we sometimes say, well, you're fucking just walk on. Yeah. And, and that to me is the challenge. Cool. Well, let's move on. Retaliation. <laughs> and there's a, the good, there's a good note here on retaliation. Um, somebody want to read this one here? And then we'll read the notes. Here. You have heard it, that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Um, the, uh, the note here is very good, and it says that the Old Testament commandment, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, was meant to moderate vengeance. And the idea was that mm. the people needed okay, you can only take what they took from you. So if someone takes your eye, you're not allowed to burn down their house, kill their kids, rape their wife, and take their business. You, you just can take what they get. And so because people were already taking vengeance, the Old Testament said, okay, well, we're going to moderate that. And Jesus comes along and says, no vengeance. We're not going to discuss how much you can get back. None. You do not venge, take vengeance. Now, this is not forbidding self-defense. It is not forbidding taking care of, you know, uh, if someone is coming at you in some way and, and standing up for yourself. That's not the spirit of this particular text. This text is about you exacting a payback for someone who has taken something from you. 
and um, we can, you know, read, we can, look, you know, talk about those other issues another t another time. But I've heard people variously, you know, basically say, you know, well, if someone comes up and mugs you, you have to just stand there and be mugged. And it's like, no, that's not what that passage was about. It doesn't include like justice. Or yeah, I mean, there's, that's that's another, you know, injustice. Um, we have to, um, thou sh you know, we have to, thou shall not kill and, um, and, and thou shall not steal. You do not let yourself be killed. You do not let yourself be stolen from. You know, justice is, is um, a different thing. That's not, the, that's not what this is about. This, pa this passage is about vengeance. Yeah. All right, this is a couple questions in right. one. But um, is then, okay, is that then the spirit of the Old Testament thing? And I keep coming back to you just as we're reading this whole thing. In what ways is this? him fulfilling and is it an issue of because there's the sense that Jesus fulfills it because he is the you know he takes on Israel and, 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 and the law and all mm -hmm. but also it's like a sense of interpretation and there are, like earlier the Pharisees and all are misinterpreting the law sure. and he's fulfilling the correct interpretation and you're saying the and is the real spirit of the moderation of vengeance the yeah. same as the, how he's saying it? So, so the question is a very good question. The question is, so in what, you know, Ways what's the fulfillment? It. And to me, it's this. Um, I'd, I'd love to hear what other people want to say, too. Jesus is basically saying, no one can take anything from you that's worth anything anyway. Like, that's the fulfillment in him. No one can take anything from you. Because what what have you got to what can they take from you your life so what I'm giving you eternal life um, you know there's nothing that, that anyone can take from you physically that really is worth that much in the face of what I'm bringing to you now so there's no grounds for retaliation um, in in this sense and that's what I would say Father yeah but I even I even think there's some sense that you're supposed to tolerate some level mm -hmm. it, it, don't let yourself be killed but maybe you do let yourself get slapped mm -hmm. and maybe that and that can break a cycle of violence that can be redemptive like I, and I've seen it work I, I got hit once when I ran the soup kitchen mm -hmm. and the decision was you know whether we call you know I hit back if I would have hit back there would have been a riot right and the guy who's the guy who was with me said you know turn the other cheek right and that was exactly the right thing to do because the guy came up, apologized the next day, and it, it was it turned out beautifully. I think uh, you know absolutely there is the literal sense of if someone comes at you and you know I always think um, maybe there's the great passage uh, which I love so much when David is fleeing with his troops from the city, his son has thrown him you know taken his wife and thrown him out and um, he's running for his life and then. There's this like peasant guy there or whatever, when throwing rocks at him and cursing him. Look at you, you yeah, yeah, stupid yeah, yeah. little David. You're, you know. And and Abner says, you want me to chop his head off? Right. And David says, maybe God told him to throw rocks at David. Um, and uh, it's beautiful, um, you know, a, a lovely statement of humility. And sometimes um, when people treat us less than we are in justice, it is a an association of Christ's being treated, you know, throughout his life and especially in his passion as yep. much, much less. And you can say, you know, wow, um, that that sense of outrage, the demeaning of your of what is good and true and uh is so painful and hurtful uh that, you know, to suffer that absolutely. Now, know that you cannot suffer it for your children. 
you know, and when I say children, I mean those people to whom you have an obligation yeah. to protect and right. support. Um, so interesting because I, I I think that if you if you take uh, and I, I I don't disagree with that. I think it's perfect. I, um, but I think for yourself, if if um, you follow in the footsteps of Christ, you almost have to do it like Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. who was not perfect by any means, but but who has affected this country more profoundly than than Martin Luther King Jr. by Precisely by by taking this and 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 integrated it into his own life and you know and, and laying down his life. It's so true. Uh, I read the book Why We Can't Wait last summer, and I was amazed to read how it, this Why We Can't Wait is basically his little book. You should all read it. Kind of saying why the civil rights movement needs to happen now, and the entire rationale for nonviolent resistance is from the gospel. Yeah. I couldn't believe yeah. how gospel it was. It like it the civil rights movement makes no sense without the gospel. Yeah. But it was this um we will um accept it, we're going to switch it. You know, we've been being persecuted and it's been making us angry. We are going to accept <laughs> it in a spirit of um like Christ who knew who he was and still understood um, what it was that was driving these people to their fear and their um, rage and anger mm-hmm. and that, that we're going to stand in front of them conscious of those things and that then we see what happens. Um, yeah. But uh, it's so rooted in Very the gospel. Yeah. And uh, it makes me mad when they call him the Dr. Luther King. They should call him Reverend Luther yeah. King, you know, Martin Luther King, because that, you know, his insight were right out of the gospel. Um, nonviolence. You should all read that book. Um, Gandhi, Gandhi, the movie too has. I don't know if it's true of Gandhi himself, but <clears throat> there's a scene where he talks about if if you stoop to violence, then then they have won because you're they have yep. control over you. But but you control the agenda as long as you do not let them make you force you into violence. Yeah. And then he yeah, had those those. Um, uh, men going up to face the, the British soldiers and they come up one by one and they're whacked down and they, they keep marching up and up and up and really yeah, it's, a very, it's one of the most impressive scenes yeah. of that, yeah. But I think that um, the thought is um, that the thing that makes us Christian, the Christian difference, when I was at Northwestern I was teaching a group of undergrads um, called the Multicultural Advocate Program and I was the head and we were talking about Heroism, and one day I said, not even realizing how Christian this was, I said, um, we need to get to the point where um, we would, I said, to spit on Hitler would be demeaning ourselves. And this Jewish kid in the class looked at me and raged and stuff, and he said, I would consider it an honor to spit on Hitler. And I said to him, you know, if you spit on Hitler, Hitler wins because yeah. he, you have now turned into just as that. And it was a completely new concept for him, like horrifying. Um, and then I realized, oh, that's the Christian dispensation, that idea of of a non-retaliation because God will repay and um, 
and because we can handle it. In because it's no longer true in the dimension we live in. If right. we really are in Christ, that's not even a truth anymore that we're being demeaned. Right. That's not true. It's true. No one can touch that. Yeah. 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 Have you seen um, Angel and the Bad Man? No. You have to, I have to give it to you. Yeah. It's an old John Wayne movie, and, and uh, John Wayne falls in love with this Quaker girl. Uh-huh. And the whole movie is about that because he's a gunslinger. Yeah. And she says, if you kill... Um, you are the one. He all he, all that can happen to him is that he dies. But you are forever yeah. injured. Huh. And anyway, cool. Yeah, it sounds like a movie about Quakers that I used to love. What was that movie called? Oh, classic. Oh, it's gonna kill me. I just love it. But it, it's the same principle. Yeah. What was the name of it again? Her, hers is Angel and the Bad Man. Mm-hmm. No, when I was at World, we had at nine. Uh, which you generally well, try. Just, this is, when I was at World Youth Day one afternoon, uh, I saw this little notice that uh, at this one church there, were, there was a, the Baroness uh, of Westphalia named Von Gallen was going to speak about her uncle, Cardinal Von Gallen. And Von Gallen was a bishop during World War II. Mm-hmm. And... I, knew, I, I just knew something about him from, from a friend who's, uh, who's done a lot of study on, on the, the church's response to national socialism. And Von Gallen is the great hero because he, um, unlike, uh, well, a lot of the bishops wisely, prudently, did not speak out because after the experience in the Netherlands, they knew that it was worse for Jews and it was worse for Catholics as well to, to confront Hitler directly. But Von Gallen... Uh, didn't incite the people against Hitler, but he spoke. He spoke out all the time against Hitler in in preaching, and he was so loved by the people that Hitler was afraid to touch him, mm-hmm. and they wa- they wanted to get rid of him, but they couldn't. And like he, Romero, he, like Romero, only and he w- he was a simple bishop, but after the end of the war, he was made a cardinal, and then he died like a couple months later. So he's known as Cardinal Van Gallen, but but now he's just been beatified by Pope Benedict or or whoever. I mean, you know, you know that the guy the entire time he was alive there was thinking, well, maybe they're going to throw a hand grenade through my window yeah. tonight. You know, can't stop. He didn't, yeah, he didn't shut up. It wasn't that you're going to be quiet and 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 resist violence, but but you still you still have to speak out. Yeah, I think leaders have a completely have a different duty. Um, hmm? I'm trying to. Rem- I was trying to remember, and I, it's going to come to me. Is it the one? Oh, sorry. Why you can't wait? Yeah, read that. It's a tiny, tiny little. Yeah, it's a little book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just want to. Um, the one the really good note here they have too about this. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go with him too. Or if anyone asks for your law, uh, your tunic, give them your cloak as well. Um, and, and the note here is that the Roman garrisons in Palestine had the right to requisition the property and services of the native population. So again, mm-hmm. it would be that sense of outrage that you're just walking down the street, minding your own business, and suddenly the Romans come up and say, we need your coats and your food for our troops. And the outrage of it made them, you know, how can we get back at them? But, you know, Christ saying, there is no getting back. They only took your coat and your food. Big deal. Um, you know, I, I'm giving you so much more. So um, uh, the, that you don't get retaliation. You don't get that outrage. You don't get to dwell in that. And we're going to end here with Love of Enemies. Um, beautiful. Somebody want to read this one? 
the defining character thing of Christians. So. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes the sun rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. Um, the note here is that there was no command in the Old Testament to hate your enemy, but this would be understood as um, they were, the, the children of Israel come into a land where there are many pagans, and that in this particular time, because of the Roman Empire coming in and then people from all different lands, the children of Israel are in the middle of these people from foreign places doing horrible things, uh, worshiping Astarte, uh, the, you know, the one we talked about, the worship of the, of the fertility goddess, uh, sacrificing their children, um, marrying their brothers, and that the practice that they had learned, the Jewish people, was we have nothing to do with them. You know, this whole idea of anathema, if my child marries them, they are dead. Uh, because that was the only way they could just make this strong point. There will be no connection between them and us because when we mix with them, we, we take in their all of their grossness. And we are people, we are holy people, we are called apart. Now Christ coming in and saying, there is no hating of the, the people who are not your neighbor. There, in other words, that separateness that is the hate your enemy thing, um, that's not here anymore. Um, I am I am calling you to love um, them, these ones who live uh, differently than you, who are the enemies of Israel, the enemies of our traditions and our faith, of, the, of our God, um, to pray for them, uh, that you may be children of the Heavenly Father, because they're his children too. And this idea to say to the Jews, they are his children too. You know, everything we've been saying here about you've been called now to be children, um, to say to the Jewish audience um, that the Father makes the sun shine on them and rain on them too. Um, a very, very radical, um, I, I can imagine. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, you know, be perfect just as your Heavenly Father is perfect in his letting the rain fall on the just and the unjust, the good and the bad, um, you know, um, treating all of us like children. Um, what, what, uh, anything else that uh, strikes you about that passage? Yes. Yeah. I that's like one of the first times when um, Jesus like opens it up to everybody pretty much. Because I mean, before like the Old Testament was all pretty much Israel, Israel, mm -hmm. and it's like, yeah, everybody else is, you know, is the, evil, is or, evil, you know, yeah. wrong or whatever, mm -hmm. and it's like God has like chosen Israel. Yeah. That's like the first time where He's kind of like, well, yes, you're all children of God, mm -hmm. but so is everybody else. And well, well, that's I was because you're talking because I I told you, her that in Mark, like you can almost it almost seems that when Jesus goes to the Syrophoenician woman, that's when he almost he starts going to the Greek towns mm -hmm. and. He sees that when he sees the faith of the Greeks, that's when he's like, you know, because there has to be some point where, you know, because Paul talks, you know, first it's for Jews, then it's for the Gentiles, and there's got to be some point in Jesus' ministry where it's, 
now opened up to all the Greeks. And yeah. there is the sense in Mark that it's when he sees the faith of the Greeks, you know, the soldier and all this stuff. Well, I mean, I think the Jews were supposed to be the priests. So Christ was supposed to form them first um, to be the priests for the world. Mm-hmm. And um, when that didn't work out, plan B with God is always better than plan A. You know, plan A is I'm going to make them these beings who are matter and spirit. And plan B is, you know, God's plan A mixes with our contribution, which is usually sin, and then God makes it better. Oh, okay, well, now they're going to be children. You know, and then plan A was that the people of Israel uh, will be the priests for the world. Uh, Plan B is they all get to be priests. We're going to make this church thing, you know, and the church will be the priests um, for the world. And so um, it's opened up to us all. But, yeah, I mean, salvation is from the Jews, is what Christ says. But clearly this, you know, you can absolutely see in the Old Testament things about, you know, um, um, if you look, be kind to strangers because you yourself were once strangers. You know, you have Ruth um, being the grandmother of David, and she's not a Jew. Um, you know, you, you can see righteous Gentiles uh, in the mention of them in um the Old Testament, but it wasn't the way the Jews had decided. It was this, the Jews were not able to mix with the Gentile people for the most part without getting soiled. So their new strategy was to to treat them like anathema. And so you have the the Samaritan woman saying, "Why are you talking to me? You're a Jew. No Jew has ever talked to me before." You know, um, and. Uh, and they did this as a strategy to, because it was easier. Remember St. Augustine, what we said last week, evil is when you take something complex and you make it simple because it's easier for you to deal with it. And that was a strategy that, to me, is classic evil strategy. Wait, where did you get that quote? Um, it's, it's Augustine. Oh, okay. Where, you know, it's a paraphrase of Augustine from the City of God, where he says, you know, what's, it's evil when we take something complex, complicated and we make it simple. Did you say that as a paraphrase? That's so awesome it's a paraphrase. That you say that. The, the latest thing is, is well, you know, all that Catholic stuff is just way too complicated. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I just like I just like the simple version of Christianity. Yeah, I just mm. worship Christ. It's just easier. It's just simple. And I just pray directly to God, and it's really, and I'm like, that, I'm sorry, is religion, like, inconveniencing you? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. something else should be God, like, getting in the way yeah. of your life. Yeah. It's like, I just don't want my religion to get too complicated. I know. It's like, because I need time to put on my I hair. I always have time to go to church once yeah. a week for two hours, yeah, pray once a week, and that's it, okay? Yeah. You know. yeah. I don't want too much debt there because it's just, you know, so, yeah. Um, okay, any other comments on um, this um, this wonderful defining passage of us that not only do we have to not see ourselves as separate, um, but we have to pray uh, for those who we are inclined to be afraid of. I love that that's what's called being perfect. All the things that's called perfect. And and it's so great that it's coming from someone who was in the form of God, but took on the form of a stranger slash a slave. Yeah. Out of love, you know, which was what Christ, you know, Jesus was. He had become the alien. Um, and, and he's talking to these people who see themselves very much in terms of their, you know, their, 
they're non-alien, we're not going to mix with them. And here he is, the ultimate mixture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Yeah, the divine, um, mixing with the human. The first hybrid. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 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 All right, well, um, I know we're moving slowly here. Um, how are we on schedule? Um, okay, uh, so please continue. Uh, we'll, we'll work on Chapter 6 um, next week.